listening to Life Church Podcast with Pastor David Sinclair. This morning comes from the book of John, chapter 17, verses 1 through 5. When Jesus had spoken these words, and those are the words we talked about, right? That he will overcome. He lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. God's word. Hey, happy new year. Life Church. Um, I don't know if I've ever looked forward to a new year like this year. Uh, and I know it's just a number. It doesn't really change everything about our situation, but I, I never like to miss an opportunity for a reset, just for a fresh start. I always think the coming of the new year reminds us that we have grace from God to start again and to, um, and to follow him with a new zeal. And uh, I'm excited to charge into this new year with all of you. And here's how we're going to do it. We're going to go into this new year praying. There's no, way, no other way to start the new year than by praying. And I think it's providential that we've wound up where we are in John's gospel, John 17, uh, because Jesus, like Harris said, has just finished the farewell discourse, just finished talking to his disciples, and then he turns to talk to his father. He prays. He prays. And we get to learn now from Jesus himself. We get to examine what he prayed for and model our prayer lives after him. Now, of course, um, you know, we're going to do this over the course of a couple of weeks here. Um, this particular passage, I was going to try to tackle it all in one week, and there's just so much here. So what I'm going to do, uh, like Dwayne says, he's going to come and preach next week. Super excited for next week. It's going to be so fun just seeing all that God's done with the new building and celebrating that and envisioning how we're going to come into that space and welcome the community into that and uh, what God will do there. But then the next couple of weeks, we're going to look at this sermon or this prayer of Jesus in John 17 again. So this week, just a teaser for your outline, kids, if you're taking notes, this is where we're going to be. We're going to talk about how Jesus prays for himself today. Then we're going to look at how Jesus prays for fellow believers, Christians, in two weeks. And then the final week will be Jesus prays for the lost. All right. And so that's kind of a little teaser outline. Now, I tell you what, Life Church, one of the things that I've loved the most about this church over the 16 plus years that I've been here is that this church is a church built on prayer. Amen? It's, it's just got a history of that. And I love that about this church. I really do. And a lot of things have changed about Life Church this past year. A lot of things have changed about a number of churches this past year. But I'm going to tell you, I'm here to tell you today, this thing will not change. We will be a church that rises and falls on prayer. Because when you think about it, any other place that we would start is incredible arrogance, right? If we start anywhere other than prayer, it's just, it's just plain arrogance. Starting with prayer means we admit up front that we're incapable of doing anything apart from God, which is often why I think we re resist praying in the first place, isn't it? It's, it puts us in an incredibly humble position. Um, Stanley Hauerwas, in his prayer book, um, prayers plainly spoken, he says, he tends not to like prayer because it's too much like begging. You ever feel that? I think he's right. 
He's right in a very real sense. Prayer says, God, everything we do is dependent on you. Like we have, we have nothing that we can do on our own. So it puts, in this, it puts us in, a, in this place that we don't always like, this really humble place. But I just have to ask us, like, is it true or not? Is it true or not that everything we do is dependent on God? You can nod your heads. Yes, that's true. Every single thing we do as, as believers is dependent on God. And we've seen this in John's gospel. John 15, Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. You can do nothing. You must stay connected to the vine. You must stay in Christ, in our source. And how do we do that? We do that through prayer. That means everything starts and ends with prayer, and prayer is going the whole way along. Prayer is the key. And let me tell you this. Prayer hasn't come easy for me. You know, I have friends that can pray for hours at a time, seemingly. Their minds don't get distracted. I don't know how they do it. I have too much ADHD for that. Like, I just, my mind wanders. I have, I have like, 20-minute tangents, and I'm like, sorry, Lord. I don't know where I got. How did I get there? And, you know, I got to keep coming back. And um, prayer has certainly been a discipline for me to learn, but one well worth it. And if you're like me in that, you say, hey, prayer's kind of been hard for me. Well, you're in luck because we're going to learn from the best prayer and I mean that by person, the best person who prayed ever. Because here's the deal. Little kids, how do they learn to speak? They learn to speak by listening to adults speak, right? And Christians learn to speak to God by listening to other Christians speak. And this was my story as well. Like, I didn't have a, a robust prayer life coming into this church 16 plus years ago. But what I just did is I started attending Sunday night prayer, which we still have going. You can join on Zoom tonight. It's not in person. But I started learning from the prayer lives of other Christians and just benefiting from their decades of praying to the Lord, praying out the scriptures. And you know what? I started to notice, like, my mind didn't wander so much. Sometimes I'd get hyper-focused. I really started enjoying it. I was really connecting with the Lord, and it was awesome. And here in John 17, we get to eavesdrop on Jesus as he prays. We get to listen in and learn from him. And we get to examine this as a model for our own prayer lives. But, hey, one of the things, the the basic thing that Jesus is praying about here is his coming death and resurrection. So we can't draw perfect parallels here, but there's still a lot that we can learn from Jesus' prayer. And one of the coolest things you'll notice is that this prayer is a basic summary of everything we've learned, the big major themes in John's gospel. Jesus is going to pray through those things. Um, You'll want to know that this prayer has meant a ton to people, to Christians over the centuries. Um, John Knox, the Scottish reformer and minister, read this prayer over and over and over during his life, just loved it. And when he was on his deathbed, his wife asked, where do you want me to read from? He replied, read where I first put my anchor down in the 17th chapter of John. I love this famous prayer, and we're going to get to spend three weeks in it. I'm super excited for it. So today, we're going to look, like Kara said, at verses 1 through 5 and specifically at how Jesus prays for himself, which is kind of mind-blowing in and of itself, isn't it? That Jesus spent time praying for himself, that God, who had become a man, prayed for himself. And how much more do you need to pray for yourself? I mean, if, if God did it while he was on earth, then you certainly need to do it. And this is one of the types of prayer that I've really come to love in recent years. And I don't know why, but growing up, I just always kind of felt like praying too much about yourself was selfish, Right? Like, you should be praying about other people. You should, and certainly we're called to pray for other people and other things. But praying for yourself isn't selfish. It's critical. It's wise. It's essential. And we talked about this some time ago. Um, I think we did an evening uh, prayer time about this. But just having an acronym has really helped me, having an acronym to pray through. So I prayed through the word fellowship 
for myself, sometimes for my kids as well. And I have a specific prayer point for each one of those letters that I pray for myself. Got it right out of Mike Bickle's book on prayer. And you can have it. I'll give it to you if you want. But the point is that Jesus starts his prayer by praying for himself. For himself. And this certainly wasn't out of the norm for him. Remember, as we read the Gospels, Jesus constantly stole away to isolated places to be with his Father, to listen, to recenter on his Father. And that's what I want each one of us doing as we go into this year. If you're not praying very specific things for yourself this year, you're really missing out on what the Lord has for you. And so I want us to notice six things as we go along in just these five verses. They're just loaded with stuff. I want us to notice six things about how Jesus prays and how we can kind of take that and move it to our own prayer lives. So first, prayer is looking up. Prayer is about looking up. It's about where we're fixing our gaze. Notice Jesus lifts his eyes to heaven, verse 1. And my point is not so much about the physical posture of Jesus, um, though I do think it's important that we pay attention to our physical posture when we pray. Um, sometimes we don't think about that enough. The power of kneeling or having our hands open or even just looking up can make a difference in what our minds are doing when we pray. But in the larger sense, prayer means directing your gaze toward God, right? It means pausing from all the frantic looking around and, and looking down, you know, and looking even inside yourself. And it means looking up, fixing your gaze on God. And this way, it's a visit to our real home and a window into the eternal kingdom of God. And just a week or so ago on Christmas Eve, we sang, it's kind of like, um, you know, prayer's kind of like we're punching through that layer of what we can see into the layer that we can't see. And, you know, at our Christmas Eve service, we sang Silent Night. And I always think that song's so ironic, isn't it? Because that first night when Christ was born was actually a silent night. It was a holy night. It was, all was calm, all was bright. But that was only in the natural like if you go to the book of Revelation and you read when Christ was born, there's this huge all-out war going on in the heavenlies. And you can imagine why. Like Satan hated that night with all his being that God was going to come, into the, that he was enacting his rescue plan into the world. And so prayer is a way for us punching through that. And if we could see what's going on in the spiritual realm for our lives, we'd be stunned at the battle that rages for your heart and for mine. So prayer is a way of, of, of punching through that. It's a way of connecting with our general, tapping us into that other realm. It puts us into a different mindset. And I want us to start 2021 not by looking back, heavens no, not by looking even internally, not by looking around or getting distracted, not by looking down in shame over what we didn't get right, but I want us to start 2021 by looking up, fixing our gaze on God, fixing our gaze where it ought to be, like Jesus does here, to the things of the kingdom, to the real battle that rages around us, to the real purpose for why we are alive, and to the place where our help really comes from. Because where does our help come from, Life Church? From the Lord. Amen. And so we look up when we pray. It's about fixing our gaze upward. Secondly, we pray to our Father. So Jesus says in verse 1, he calls God Father. That's how he addresses God. And this is consistent with how Jesus taught us to pray in the Lord's Prayer, you'll remember. In Matthew, Jesus addresses God as Father. So this is now the basis on which we come to God in prayer. Jesus is our big brother who's given his life for us so we can be adopted back into God's family. And now, unthinkably, God is your Father. You're a child of God. Each and every one of you, if you're a Christian, you're a child of God. And Jesus says you're to call him Father now. And I know that's tough for many um, because you had a rough relationship with your dad. Some of you did. 
Uh, some of you are abused, neglected, shunned, or just always felt like you were a disappointment. I got great news for you today. God's not like that. He's not like that at all. That's not the kind of father he is. He's the perfect dad. And he loves it when his kids come to him in prayer. I mean, Jesus says some amazing things about prayer. Uh, in Luke 18, he tells us to keep on asking. How many of you parents like that? Your kids ask for something, and then they keep asking. And you're like, yeah, keep on asking me. I don't ever say that. I'm like, ask me one more time. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just done with it at a certain point. Like, stop asking. I already told you what I, what I meant, and I said what I meant. But God says, no, I actually like it if you keep asking me. It's an incredible thing to say. Jesus says, if your earthly fathers who are evil know how to give good gifts, then how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask him? He's a good father. He wants you to come to him. And when we think about it, coming to God as father highlights one of two covenant relationships that we have in life, right? Um, the two basic covenant relationships that we have are marriage and then parent-child relationships, right? Um, and there's really only two basic types of relationships in general. There are covenant relationships, and then there are consumer relationships. A covenant relationship says, I'm committed to you no matter what. I'm committed to you thick and thin, through thick and thin. Your performance doesn't dictate how much I love you, right? And that's a covenant relationship, so that's like marriage. That's like parent and children. Um, you could make an argument for a really great friend in that category too. But then there's consumer relationships, right? Um, and consumer relationship basically says, I'm committed to you until I find something better, right? So this is the relationship you have with the place you buy groceries from, or the, the, the person that sells your insurance, or uh, the person that fixes your car. And maybe you say, hey, Pastor Dave, I have a lot of loyalty there. I have brand loyalty. I'm loyal to uh, those consumers. And you might be, but just wait till they jack the prices way up on you, and they're charging you way more than market value, or wait till they start treating you like garbage, you're out. Why is that? Because that's a consumer relationship. It's not a covenant relationship. You don't have to stay. And so with those two basic categories in mind, covenant and consumer relationships, let's just take a quick survey here of all the parents in the room. How many of you at the beginning of 2021 sat down and said, okay, it's a new year. We really need to evaluate. It's time for the kids' annual performance review. Let's see how they did and if they made the cut and if we want to keep parenting these kids. Now, I know the Dehans do that every year. Right, Naomi? But, you know, of course you don't do that, right? Why don't you do that? Because it's a covenant relationship, right? It's not based on performance. The kids aren't loved based on how they perform. They're loved based on who they belong to. And that's what God is saying here. That's what he's saying. You're, you're loved not based on what you do, but based on who he is. It's not a consumer relationship where you must perform or the other party will move on to better things. It's a covenant relationship that says, I'll love you no matter what. That's what God's saying by saying, call me father. God's love for us doesn't depend on our behavior. His love for us is a statement about who he is, not a statement about who we are. And that gives us incredible confidence, you understand, to come to him in prayer that Jesus says, call him father. I mean, if you've been, I just got to say this, like if you've been having a really tough time this past year or in recent years and you've been wandering, you've been really prodigal, you need to know that nothing brings your father's heart more joy than when you come home to him in prayer. According to Luke 15, nothing brings your father's heart more joy than when you just turn, come to your senses and say, Father, like he's waiting there on the edge of the balcony of heaven to just extend grace to you. 
So this year, when you pray for yourself, pray to your Father who loves you no matter what your performance has been. Thirdly, Jesus tells us pray all the time, but more in the big moments. In verse 1, Jesus says his hour has come. So we've been looking at this. His hour was way off at the beginning of the gospel, and then it gets closer and closer. Now his hour has come, and here's the general rule. I heard one pastor say this. The bigger the moment, the more we pray. The bigger the moment, the more we pray. And this is Jesus' big moment. He's right up against it. His death and resurrection is the next day. And what do we find him doing? He's praying. He's praying. And that's what we should be like, too. Some of us are also up against big moments. Some of those are good big moments. Some of those are bad big moments. It doesn't really matter. Regardless of if it's good or bad, Jesus is coaching us here. He's saying, in the big moments of life, you should be praying. You need to pray more. The bigger the moment, the more you need to pray. And of course we come to him in the day-to-day stuff. Of course we come to him in the small stuff. But more so even in the big stuff. So you get a new job, you pray. You lose your job, you pray. You uh, get engaged, you pray. You get divorced, you pray. You have a baby, you pray. Kids, you have big moments too, you know? Uh, You got a big project or a big um, test coming up at school. Spend a little more time in prayer. You got drama with friends at school or you got a big game that you're preparing for. Pray. God wants to hear from you, especially in those times. When those big moments come in our lives in 2021, may God find us like Jesus coming to him in prayer. That's the third thing. The fourth thing is that we pray that our lives would glorify God by using our God-given authority. And this is tough to untangle with Jesus' words here, but this is an important point in this text. Jesus prays here in verse 1 something that he's been talking about a lot in John's gospel. He says, he prays that the Father would glorify him, which is an unusual prayer. Father, glorify me. And he says this again in verse 5. And then he prays this, notice in verse 1, in order that he could glorify the Father. So he's like, glorify me, Father, so that I can glorify you which we've seen already in John, that that's his main purpose. Like, that's his purpose for going into his death and resurrection. He wants to bring God glory. And so what he's doing here is he's basically saying, my moment of glorification is on the doorstep. I'm going to die and rise again from the dead. And he's saying, I'm going to be obedient to that so that I can glorify my Father. That's what he's doing. And now notice specifically how Jesus is aiming to bring glory to the Father because he doesn't end in verse 1. He says in verse 2, since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you've given him. So Jesus uses his authority how? He uses it to offer salvation to all the Father has given him, which obviously glorifies the Father. So there are two big ideas going on in this one statement of Jesus. First, we're praying that our lives would glorify God. I mean, that's that's the whole point, right? That's the chief end of man according to the Westminster Catechism. Um, that is our mission as a church, to glorify God. But I'm just wondering, how often are we praying that that would happen? How, how fervently are we praying, like, Lord, glorify me, or glorify yourself with my life? Do we even know what that means, to glorify God? You know, to glorify God just means we make much of him. We bring him praise and honor. We make him look brilliant in the world today. And I'm wondering, how do our lives point to his goodness How are we obeying him in such a way that we're constantly bringing him praise? Our lives are to be for his glory. And you know what? This is where you find the most life too, by the way. This is where your life finds its purpose and its joy and its meaning. You weren't meant to live for yourself. Uh, Martin Luther famously said that sin is the self bending in on the self, right? So when you just live for yourself, you just become less and less human, less and less like God meant you to be. 
But the more you live in abandonment and worship and praise to glorify God, the more you become the person that God made you to be. The more you become fully alive. So our motto is God's glory. That's our focus every day, and we're praying for that. But remember, Jesus intends to glorify God specifically by using his God-given authority to give eternal life to all whom the Father had given him. And like I said, we can't draw perfect parallels here. But we do have authority that comes from being connected with Jesus. So this is an important point here. Your authority from being connected with Jesus is quite astounding here. Look at Ephesians 2, verses 5 and 6. Paul says this stunning statement. He goes, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you've been saved, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that's kind of far out, but let's just think about that. Stunningly, we are raised with Christ and seated with him in heavenly places. And the Bible says we'll even judge the angels. So kids, have you ever watched the Chronicles of Narnia or read the books? Um, That's kind of what C.S. Lewis is trying to get at there, that, you know, Peter and Susan and Lucy and Edmund, they all have way more authority than what they realize. They first come into Narnia and they're just kind of like, what? Why all this honor? Why Why are all these animals like... Um, revering us and bowing to us. Well, they have more authority because of who they're attached to, who they belong to. And the same is true for you. The same is true about each one of us. We don't realize it, but we have authority simply because we're attached to the Lord Jesus. We're in him, seated with him in heavenly places. So this gets really heady, but what does this mean for us this year? Well, just think about it with me for a second. It means if you've been given authority, when you're tempted this year, by something that's going to derail you, you can say no to that temptation. Use your authority. Use your authority as someone connected to the Lord Jesus. Like, no, I don't have to give in to that. I'm a slave to righteousness. I am in Christ. I have power because of Christ to say no to that. Um, when, someone, when, you, when you get an opportunity to introduce someone to Christ and invite them into the kingdom, go ahead and use your authority. You've been given the ministry of reconciliation. So you can actually welcome someone into God's kingdom and offer them eternal life because of who you're attached to, because you're attached to Jesus. When a brother or sister comes to you and they've sinned and they need to confess sin, use your authority to declare them forgiven in Jesus' name. Jesus says you should do that. So when you use your authority, you are, in fact, glorifying God just as Jesus did. He uses authority perfectly to invite us in, to give us eternal life, and now we get to do similar things. So that's the fourth thing. We use our authority to glorify God. Then fifthly, pray that you would glorify God by accomplishing the work that he gave you to do. In verse 4, Jesus says, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. I got to tell you, this is one of my daily prayers. I have it as the W in fellowship, worthy. I, God, count me worthy as Paul prays. I want to be called worthy, counted worthy of the calling on my life. I want to fulfill everything that you've given me to do. Not part of it, not half of it, not just a tiny sliver of it. I want to accomplish everything that you've given me to do. And I'm wondering, are you praying that? Like, are you praying that God would give you wisdom so you can sort out what you're supposed to do and what you're not supposed to do? Because Jesus did that perfectly. Uh, Listen to Acts chapter 13, verse 36, um, where Luke writes, says this, after he had, after, or he says, David, he's talking about King David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep and was raised with his, was laid with his fathers. He accomplished all the purposes of God in his own generation. 
And man, that's what I want for myself, and that's what I want for every one of you. I mean, kids, that's you too. Did you know that God has work for you to do? He does. He has work for each and every one of us to do. And I want us to fulfill everything that God has called us to do in our lives, in our generation. Because let's face it, a lot of people don't do that. I think there's a lot of Christians that, that don't fulfill everything that God has called them to do. Or some of them just do it kind of half-heartedly. We see this in several of Jesus' parables, right? There are servants that are faithful and servants that are less faithful and servants that are totally unfaithful. We want to be the faithful ones. We want to be the ones that hear, well done, good and faithful servant. We can't do that on our own strength. We need the Lord to strengthen us in this. We need to be praying about this on a regular basis. And get this, some of you really performance-oriented people, you're already like, all right, I'm going to just say yes to everything now. No, don't do that. This is about knowing what to say yes to, right? Jesus didn't say yes to everything. He didn't do everything. Jesus rested. He spent time relaxing with friends. He took naps. Some of you need to just take a nap, and that's God's will for your life right now. Like, that's what he wants you to do. Um, we want to be working and resting, but the, the idea here is that we pray for ourselves, that God would give us wisdom to parse that out, to know what it is that we're supposed to say yes to, what it is that we're not supposed to say yes to. Jesus was called to do many things. You know, all those things he accomplished perfectly. He was called to be poor. He was called to be homeless. He was called to be single. He was called to a very specific ministry. He was called to die and rise again. He nailed all of it. That's what we want to be praying for our own lives, to discern that, what God has for us to do, and that we'd be obedient to it. And sixth and finally, we pray to know him. The only true God revealed in Jesus Christ. In verse 3, Jesus has said, He glorifies the Father by using His authority to give eternal life to all the Father has given Him. And then He says, this is what eternal life is. And of course, this isn't really Jesus praying for Himself. This is Jesus more uh, stating what He's done for us. He says, this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. And notice He doesn't say, this is eternal life, just dying and going to heaven. No, he says, this is eternal life, that they would know you, that they would know Jesus is God. This is John's purpose in, the, in his whole gospel. They would know Jesus is God. He's the Messiah, the one sent to rescue us, and that in believing on him, in knowing him, and staying connected to him, we would have eternal life in his name. And people over the centuries, Christians over the centuries, have talked about this deep longing in our hearts to really know God. Um, I love what St. Augustine said famously in his confessions. He said, our hearts are restless until they rest in thee, until they know thee. Have you felt that longing? Like, we really just do ache and long to know God and know him deeply. Obviously, Jesus doesn't pray this for himself to know God because he is God. Right? He's told us that in John, like, I and the Father are one. When you've seen me, you've seen the Father. But we really do need to pray for this knowledge of God. See, friends, this shows us that salvation is just the entryway into eternal life. It's just stepping into the, 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 the beach, right? And there's this ocean of God available to us. We're just on the sand right now. And before Jesus came, there was a certain amount of knowing of God that was, that was available to his people, the Israelites. He made pathways for them. But the relationship was always kind of insecure. It was always kind of incomplete. It, was always, it always lacked confidence. But then that same God according to John chapter 1, took on flesh, became a human to show us what God was like. And best of all, he died and rose again to make that knowledge of God fully possible, to really invite us in. And how are we invited into that relationship? 
It's through prayer. It's through prayer. To know him as a child knows their father. To walk hand in hand with him. See, he's not some distant deity far off. He wants to bring us close like Kara said. He wants to invite us into that close relationship. And don't you see how far he's gone to give his own son to make that relationship possible? I mean, what more could he do for us to say, I want to be in relationship with you? It's this God who makes himself available to us in prayer. And I'm just wondering today if we can start 2021 on the right foot. You know, sometimes we'll start the year with some fasting. I think that would be awesome to throw in some fasting here. But here's what I would like for us to do. Um, I would like for us to commit to each week of this year praying with some other people from Life Church. And there's lots of opportunities available. We have Sunday night prayer. We have Monday night harp and bowl and pray with your D group. Um, we have prayer partners. That, that's a little program we've just set up recently where you're praying with one other person. But just that we'd be praying. I think the pandemic hit us really hard in our relationships, in our community, but it also hit us hard in prayer. And we're really needing to revive both. And I'm just wondering, what if we tied them together? How awesome that would be to see God do something there. Um, and in light of that, I think this would be a pretty crappy sermon on prayer if we didn't take some time to pray. So we're going we're gonna to end this sermon with prayer. Um, Yvette's going to come up. Jeannie, are you coming up? Um, oh, Wade's coming up. Uh, we've got a few different people that are going to pray between the two services. So if you guys want to come up, they're just going to pray some prayers over us. And I would invite you at your table to just agree with them in prayer. And then after that, we'll have our normal people up here to pray. If you are not a Christian, we would love to welcome you into God's kingdom, into that relationship with him today. And uh, we'll be around here afterwards to talk with you. So um, Yvette, are you going to go first? I am in full agreement with Pastor Dave. Okay, I am in full agreement with Pastor Dave that this is the right time. This is a time to reset. There's really nothing magical about going from one year to the next. But just like you, Pastor Dave, I always look forward to the new year. Kind of gives me a brand new life. I feel like, okay, it's time I can do something better. Not by my own strength, but by the strength that the God, Lord give, gives me. So I will invite each of you to take a time now and to join me in prayer. Just like Pastor Dave said, God has a great, wonderful plan awaiting for us if we will join him. So let's join in prayer. Heavenly Father, you are the great I am. You are the mighty God, the one who loves us well, the one who cares for us well, the one who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. And we desire, Father, for you to use us as vessels of honor. We desire, O oh God, not to look to the past and be discouraged, but we desire to learn from the past. And we desire to look forward, God, where you have a plan and a future for us. We bless you that today, you reminded us that even Jesus, who was God, prayed, oh God, that you will be glorified in him. We say the same prayer today, oh God. We desire for you to be glorified in us. And how will you do that, Father? It will be by us coming in prayer. By us, Father, proclaiming your word. By us, Father, possessing your word. And by us practicing your word. And we desire to do all those things, not by our might, God, by your might. We ask today, O oh God, 
that you would revive in us all the gifts that you've given us. We desire, Father, to go into 2021 knowing, oh, Father, that you have a plan and a future for us. Just as you asked Joshua not to be afraid, but to be courageous, you're sending the same message to each of us, God. Not to be afraid, to go, Father, and possess the land, and to be courageous. We look forward, Father, with great expectation for what you have for us. We look, Father, with great anticipation for what you'll do here in Life Church. Father, we feel a new life. We feel a new fire. And we pray, Father, that you'll continue, Father, to lead that fire. We pray, O oh God, that as our eyes are open, you'll give our hearts, O oh God, to feel your presence, to feel your power, and to go out of this building, Father, and bring your kingdom, Father, into the darkness. We pray, O oh God, that our workplaces will become, Father, a place of ministry. We pray, O oh Father, that it will not be, Father, a hard thing to do, but through your might, through your power, through your enablement, we will be able, Father, to touch our colleagues. We'll be able to touch people that we see in the street. I pray, O oh God, that your word will flow in us and through us. And we pray, O oh God, that not by our might, but by your might, Jesus. May you be glorified in us and through us. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Just, I just thank you for your Holy Spirit and the way that you are working even in those prayers. I just agree with the prayers that Yvette prayed because so many of the things she said were the things that I wanted to say, and I just trust you in that, and I thank you for that. Um, in Matthew 6, uh, it says, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we just, we just thank you for your kingdom. We thank you Father, that we can come before you in prayer. We can call you our Father. We thank you for the identity that you have given to us. We thank you for the authority that you have given to Life Church. And we pray that you would increase our influence in this church so that you may be glorified. As our wall out in the hall says, that we want to glorify Jesus Christ and make disciples in this neighborhood and beyond. And so we just pray that you would come, that you would stir up that passion that that Yvette just prayed about, that fire that, that she just prayed about. God, we want to um, be on fire for you in prayer. So I pray that 2021 would be a year that we would just, um, just, just enter into that place, God, and we would do it together. We would invite other people into that, God. We would uh, include others in that prayer, and we would just renew the community that we have lost that Pastor Dave talked about, God. So we just, we thank you for all that you have given to us. We thank you for your kingdom, and we pray that your kingdom would come, that your will would be done in life, church, and in our hearts, and in this movement of prayer that we are moving forward in this year. So we just thank you, and we glorify your name, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen.